Welcome to This Sustainable Life. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with Joe Collins again. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. And although uh, the listeners didn't get to hear, but they're about to, we were just chatting a bit before recording. And I wasn't sure if we would talk more about your activities or the campaign. And it's not only very exciting, but, and I use exciting as a euphemism, but also paralleling what's going on here, although it sounds more serious. Should I start with your beach stuff or should we start with your campaign and what's going on in South LA? Whichever one you want to start with, right? It's fine with me. Let's start with the context of what's going on with the campaign, what's going on in South LA that affects your campaign. Okay. Well, the biggest issue that we have right now is is the amount of violence. And uh, with this gun violence, gang violence, domestic violence, alcohol-related abuse, uh, crime in, in Los Angeles in itself is, is on a rise, so much so that we actually had to move our office to a safer location. I can't have people working for me and, and putting them in a way of danger. So uh, we moved from South LA to Gardena to a, uh, to a better location. And it's been good since we've been here. Staying actively involved in the community, obviously, that's, that's been important, fighting for issues that are important to the people who live in my community. So what's the feel of, let's start with close to home, you, your family, the people that are working in your campaign that moved office? Mm -hmm. It's pretty good. It's positive. You know, our phones at the office ring a lot. People want to know what they can do to support. They want to know who they should support when it comes to uh, different elections. Obviously, the recall Gavin Newsom election is like right around the corner. So people are trying to throw their support behind certain candidates. So it's been real positive here in, in our office. So that was the, within the campaign. I'm also thinking of the feel of increasing violence in a neighborhood. Uh, are people worried? Are people scared? Are people hopeful? Is it a large number causing the violence or a small number? Yeah, I would say that it's, just, it's a lot of people that are really anxious, you know, because they were expecting a certain type of leadership. After our last campaign, we outlined a lot of things that's been going on in our communities for a long time and comparing it to uh, communities who have a better quality of life. You know, now a lot of people are saying, well, why isn't my representative doing this? Why is our legislators doing this instead of the, the opposite? Why don't we have jobs? People are starting to ask questions. And so it's like a it's a it's a real anxious feeling um, out here. People, a lot of people are upset. A lot of people are starting to understand they expect better. They should have better. So that's that's the feeling that I gather from, you know, just throughout the, the South L.A. area. And now I think I got a couple of years on you. I came to New York in the 80s at the tail end of when, and really after the, the height of New York City being, you know, like the, the president to the city dropped dead. But I saw a taste of it, like the Bronx is burning. Compared to stuff you've seen in your lifetime, what you see, is it as bad as it's ever been? Is it better? Or how do you compare it with your past experience or history? I think it's it, everything feels like it's on repeat. You know, in the 90s, we had the 94 riots. That's the time I grew up in the South, the late 94 riots. And um, it seems like this past summer was just a repeat of what was going on in the 90s, not to that scale to where they were burning down entire uh, city blocks, but to the point that you see the, the unrest, you see that people are starting to recognize that their officials have been failing when it comes to policymaking, when it comes to, you know, protecting the community, when it comes to doing things that's necessary to ensure that people can live their own version of what the American dream is supposed to be. And so it's just everything is on repeat. You see the the mass come back just like it was in the 1930s, the end of the 1930s. You see the, the government on a high decline. You see inflation starting to rise. You see this this error of 
I guess the government overreach into people's personal lives and the acceptance actually of people uh, allowing this to happen is 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 crazy. So everything seems like it's on repeat to me. Can you give an example of the government overreach? Because presumably that's something you're going to work on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just all of the mandates, you know, you have to do this. You have to do that. It's like the government is going to protect you if you give up your rights and allow the government to protect you. We all know that the government is not going to be able to do that, uh, protect you. And the vast majority of the population are accepting of the government taking control of their lives, you know. And I, I think it's crazy. I think with the the COVID pandemic and the government, you know, mandating these vaccines, mandating this, mandating that, is just, you know, people are willingly accepting the, the status quo. Uh, it's crazy to me. What Do you know what the rates are of, I mean, here, as far as I know, everyone who's been vaccinated, it's mandated or not, they wanted to get vaccinated. Like Rupert Murdoch was the first to get vaccinated or wanted, you know, very early on. I think a lot of the Fox people were vaccinated very early. So. Is it, what are the rates out there? The rates for California, I think 73% of the people who live in California has been vaccinated. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but I think it's about 73%. How much of that is voluntary? Is it mandated? For people yeah, in the healthcare the- industry and people who work for the government, the, the California government are mandated to be vaccine, vaccinated. Everybody else is it's like a pressured choice. You're getting coerced into getting vaccinated there during giveaways, you know, million dollar giveaways to giving, you know, three, four hundred dollars to people who take the vaccine. It's just like a big peer pressure scheme to get vaccinated out here. It's funny when you say that, I, I'm thinking I should have waited to get vaccinated. I should have waited <laughs> until I could have gotten. But then I also think about all my environmental stewardship work. I really don't like the idea of coercing people or cajoling people into it. Like to say, here's one little thing you can do for the environment implies you don't want to do it when I think people do want, I think when you really connect with people and what's inside them, they, they really want clean air, clean water, clean land. Yeah. And I think the coercion often works against, although I'm, I'm not commenting on the particulars of the California situation with the, with the vaccines. Yeah. So when you get into office, what do you plan to do? I mean, it could be talking about masks or vaccines, or it could be on other issues of government overreach or, I mean, what are the first couple of things you, you plan to do? Well, the first couple of things that I plan to do is getting resources back to South LA, uh, the district that I'll be representing. Uh, the people need a lot of help here. I want to start doing things to improve our education system, start doing things to get, uh, you know, school choice back into effect out here, getting the vocational and trades back into our schools, infrastructure. We need a lot of infrastructure rebuilding in South LA jobs, and doing what I can to help rebuild that relationship between the law enforcement. I think I'll have to take care of home first before we start getting hot and heavy on, on national issues. You know, of course, cutting a lot of the the public welfare programs that are being abused, getting some oversight committees for those, that's going to obviously be important. And, and I guess after I finish that, that my two years in office will be up and I'll have to run for re-election again. And if people appreciate the work that I've done, then they'll, they'll re-elect me into office. If not, then we'll let the, let the next person handle it. It sounded like you were mostly talking about official things, things that you have the authority to do. And I also, when I think of you, especially talking about the violent situation, I think of a, of a Navy man, I think of a guy who's from that neighborhood, and that's something you can lead besides moral, uh, besides uh, official authority. You have maybe a moral authority or an experience or a connection. And I wonder if you would also plan to do things that are not, I don't know how to put it, they're not, they're not you know, authority-based, but experience-based, personality-based, character-based. Yeah. No, well, you have to. I know one of our uh, core values in the Navy is honor, courage, commitment. And and those are the core values that, you know, I still 
uh, take with me everywhere I go. So it, even in the leadership aspect, whether you have the the legal authority to do it or the, or the moral authority to do it as a leader, you know, if it's right, you got to you got to knock it out. Yeah, I'm thinking of my local city councilman who he won the election and he one of the things he did was he organized a trash pickup. I, th- I might have mentioned last time, I forget. So Eric Botcher, so he's in community board. Th- well, this isn't interesting to others, but there are three places where he would organize trash pickups every Sunday and I would go there. And I forget if I mentioned this last time, but there's a morning when we were out in February and it was snowing and it wasn't like a pleasant snow. It was like wet snow turning into slush. And I knew I was going to show up because I pick up litter every day and I, I just do it. I consider it part of my civic duty. I, I consider it like when people come up and thank me, I feel like they're thanking me. It would be like walking up to a parent and saying, thank you for feeding your child. Like, of course. Anyway, so he's out there, but I went out on my own and he got a whole bunch of other people out there. And I thought this is leadership. He's out there in a February snowstorm getting all wet and cold. And he got a half dozen other people out there and I, uh, me being one. And I just got myself out. And I'm picturing you out there talking to people who are from there. And I'm guessing saying, this guy knows who I am. He's listening to me. And then I would think that would give you the ability, what would come next? I don't know, but maybe to diffuse situations or get people to express, if they're expressing outrage or frustration through violence to find another way of doing it. I'm I'm not sure. This is part where I don't know what comes next because I'm not there. Yeah. It is a good way to keep people busy get people out working together. That's a, that's an extremely good way to get people working together. We did a lot of uh, trash cleanups throughout the the district during our, our time where we were running for office. And it was like, when you, when it comes to connecting with people, it's, it's good. But I think one of the things that you see here is a lot of people are not appreciative of, you know, the, the work that you do in a community because you go clean up an area a couple of days later, it looks just like it looked before you cleaned it up. And it's just like, you know, it's like a waste of, of resources, waste of money, waste, waste of time. And so that's why it's important to start, you know, rebuilding. When people have something nice, they actually take care of it. But when you have a neighborhood that is, you know, it's a poor neighborhood, it's, you know, a, a violent neighborhood, people don't really want to take care of it as much as they should. So, I mean, we do what we can, but we can't force people to be appreciative of the work that we do if they've never had the opportunity to experience that before. As you're speaking, I'm reflecting on, uh, you know, my entire life, I've always heard that we are losing the middle class, that it's becoming the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. And for most of my life, I didn't really notice what that meant. And I guess I looked at Brazil as an example of a place that has a hollowed out middle class. I, I'm not an economist, so I can't say for sure, but I think that they're rich or gated communities and the poor in the favelas and, and it's increasing all the time. And it's something that I just never thought of America as a place where we would say they don't have something valuable. It's worth protecting. We don't have something valuable. that's worth protecting. And in my neighborhood, I look at Washington Square Park and listen, regular listeners to my podcast and readers of my blog see that it's a real gem of a park in New York city. And it's still holding together pretty well, but it feels like it's not, it's not, close to the border, but it's getting closer to where people might give up on it and say, you know, people who live here might say, it's too scary for me to go there at night, or, you know, it's not my business. And, or, or worse saying like, we should get the cops to kick a lot of people out, but separate it. So it's weird to hear. I don't know how it happened in in this last statement that you said that it got me to reflect on America's not having 
having places that people are feeling like this isn't worth sustaining. And it, and it happens a lot. I mean, you look across the country and I'm not even going to say it's a Democrat Republican thing. I'm just going to say a support leadership thing, right? Because you can look at the, the South LA's, you can look at the Chicago's, you can look at all of these places where that community has been on the decline and it's been because of the leadership that they've been having there. And so when you talk about the issues that are going on where people feel like, you know, this place isn't worth keeping, this place isn't worth living, and then they move across country or they just, you know, give up and then they they stay in their own little box, it's, it's because of the leadership. You have a leadership that, you know, they, they don't take everybody into consideration when they're making their decisions. They only take one specific group of people into consideration and leave everybody else out. And that's why you have these people you know, getting into arguments in the middle of the streets. You got the Democrats versus Republicans, the liberals versus conservative, patriots versus, you know, everybody else. And you have everybody fighting for a superior opinion when at the end of the day, because of the poor leadership, nobody opinions matter. If you like the show, I recommend acting as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive, your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small, it doesn't matter. If you care, if it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodek.com slash donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch, but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act, and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's joshuaspodek.com slash donate. So do I read you right that one of the things you plan to do is to make sure people get heard? You have to, yeah. To, and I guess that would mean being out there in the streets as opposed to in the Capitol building in D.C. all the time. Yeah. Yeah, for the most part, you know. Yeah, I guess I do see New York City politicians out in the street. I mean, Eric Botcher, but we don't have that violent situation that you were talking about. It hasn't quite gotten there. I look forward to hearing about you saying things and doing things that people say, well, I'd rather follow him than whatever I was doing before. Yeah. So now I want to switch over to uh, last time you committed to doing something. And I'm curious, what do you remember what led you to commit and what you committed to? Yeah, it was to the, the beach cleanups. Do you remember what motivated it? Well, you have brought it up as a as a way to get the community out and, and get everybody to take responsibility for their communities. And the best place to start with is is at the beach. And I thought that was a great idea. Uh, community cleanups is something that we've been doing um, since we've been on the campaign. So, you know, why not take it to the beach? All right. If I did it right, I would have asked you something, uh, a memory or something that what the environment meant to you and to act on that. Mm-hmm. I think you came up with the beach cleanup, not me. But I didn't just listen to your past episode, which usually I do before, so mea culpa. But um, because usually there's something motivating about the environment that people generally think, what's what goal can I achieve? Yeah. Which is an extrinsic motivation as opposed to what's something in their background or history or in their minds that they think of as like a clean world, nature. Well, I'm in order to achieve that. So. Ah, yes. I think I remember something about... And I love fishing. So the water is my life. That's Now I remember, yes. And I think it was acting on that. I think that's where the beach cleanup came came from. Yep. And I kind of know the answer to this because you were talking about just before, but how did it go? We actually, we didn't do it. So first, I applaud leadership of saying, 
what happened didn't happen. And not like I've had plenty of guests come on and like, you, I can tell that they didn't really do it. And they're trying to sound like they did. And now something I like to do, this is like our episode two, but sometimes I, I propose an episode one point, making this an episode 1.5, which is to revisit. Now it may be that a beach cleanup simply doesn't fit with your campaign. And you have between now and the election, maybe it doesn't fit, but it could be that it fits in a way that we haven't thought of and might actually work better. And so I propose reconsidering if there's a way to, first, is it, can it fit between now and the election? If so, if not, maybe we should put off until after the election. If it does fit and could possibly improve things, then would you be game for trying to revisit? Yeah, well, here's the deal. The reason why we didn't do it was because the homeless population in Los Angeles is growing like exponentially. And so a lot of the homeless people were actually camping out on the beaches and you can't bother the homeless people who are living on the beach. I mean, like literally, you know, tents filled beaches, like beach city tents and the just amount of violence and, and, and drugs and things that goes on in these homeless encampments is just uh, it's a safety issue that I wouldn't want to put anybody in because of the ramifications. Something happened, it falls back on me or the campaign, so we didn't do it. But since, you know, Gavin Newsom has forced Los Angeles County to make being homeless and living on the streets illegal, now that they're cleaning up the homeless encampments, it is going to be room for us to go behind them and, and clean up. So it is something that we can organize after they are are able to do something with the with the homeless people in their tents. That's absolutely doable, but then it just, it wasn't, it wasn't worth the risk. So it's absolutely doable now. I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying and I can't help but re-comment on what I said before of like, is this America? I mean, it's just obviously America. It's certainly changed, but I'll leave that for our, maybe our next conversation. Would you be game for having a, another conversation after? So what's the status now? Are there, are just, are there fewer on the beach now when the cops are going to come through and p- take them away or, or push them off? Yeah, they're they're cleaning up the homeless people right now. I think I just worry where they're going to go because there's literally no place to put homeless people. The homeless shelters are, are packed to capacity. So I'm just curious where they're going to put the homeless. The cost of living is going up. So the majority of the homeless people don't have mental health issues or any of that. They just, you know, can't afford to live in California. But that that violence and drugs and it's, it's spread through them camps. It's, it's, it's terrible. It's bad. So they're cleaning it up now. But how does it feel about cleaning up the beach after they're gone, not knowing where they're going? I mean, does it feel like spitting in the wind or does it feel like you've got to start somewhere? So might as well do something or is it unrelated? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, I'd say bittersweet because you get the beaches back, but it's at the expense of, you know, removing people who California has felt to take care of, you know, so. You know, people can enjoy their pleasures of being able to go to the beach and and do their beach thing. But the people who can't even afford to, you know, live anywhere now gone after they made their home and the place that they felt safe, I I guess, or felt it was feasible to live. Yeah, it's like um, some problems. If you just solve the superficial part of it, it actually does solve the problem. But this certainly feels like like a dandelion where you cut off the dandelion and you stole all the roots down in there. It's not going to. And you simply move the situation, which I think is what you're saying. Yeah. How much can a Congress member do? A lot if they want to. You know, we talk about on a congressional, on a federal level, cutting taxes, lowering the cost of living in a state that is, you know, extremely doable. It's, it's, it's doable. The, the cost of development is extremely high. The cost for 
licenses to develop is extremely high. And the persons who get these contracts just takes the cost and hand it down to the person who's going to be purchasing that building or occupying those spaces. I'm very glad to hear you say a lot right off the bat, because I was certainly feeling forlorn. And I hope to keep in touch with you about this as your tenure lengthens in office. So if you do you know the timescale on which the beaches will be clean? I imagine you, they're going to leave a lot of mess for you to clean up. Yes, it's going to be a lot of mess. We'll keep, continue to look at look at the beaches and and go out there and survey areas. So I, I can't. I don't know a specific time, but I know they started like a couple of days ago. Would you be game for having another conversation after that after that cleanup? Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Cool. Uh, do you know about? Would you expect that? In how long do you think it would be between now and then? Um, I, I'd shoot for like September time frame. Okay, so after we uh, finish recording, but before we hang up, uh, propose scheduling that? Yep, yeah, let's do it. And do you think that this will be something that helps your campaign, is neutral or hurts your campaign and distraction? Or I think it'll be neutral because one thing that I've noticed when you're running for office, people are always looking at the what's in it for me. They don't care what you did. They always like, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Like I could tell them everything that we did, you know, the last time we ran the campaign and they're like, all right, what? what do I get out of it? So it's, it's neutral. It's, you're doing it for the community, doing it for the camaraderie ship, doing it to bring people together. But, you know, at the end of the day, people want that, what, that with them is what we call it. What's in it for me? So if you, uh, sorry, I'm thinking out loud. Well, I'll be curious. I'm going to make a mental note to ask if it turned from neutral to positive in the doing. Because I think doing things makes things, you know, it, taking initiative tends to lead to others responding uh, but you know your situation better than I do. Well, I propose picking up here next time, but is there anything I didn't think to ask? You got so much going on. Is there anything I didn't think to ask that's worth bringing up? Nope. At, at the moment, I think we, we're pretty covered. You know, uh, one of the biggest things that we've been doing is getting young people involved in politics. So uh, still going across the country, um, engaging people in the inner cities, getting them actively involved in politics has been like one of the most important uh, things our campaign has been doing uh, lately. All right. And before closing, where should they go to find out more about you and to, to support you? Yep. You can go to my website, uh, joecollins4congress.com. You can find me on all social media platforms at joecollins3. Joe Collins, thank you very much. All right. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step by step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. Again, that's joshuaspodick.com slash donate.